0: Hello, welcome to Skyboardy Red. That's not in Forest heading into the international break on the back of a 0 0 draw at Crystal Palace, leaving 13th in the Premier League. We look back on the game and some nearly magical moments and assess the state of where Forest are at as the new look side under Steve Cooper continues to take shape in the company of, first of all, broadcaster and Reds fan Darren Fletcher. Fletch, welcome back. How are you? It's
1: been a while, morning. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs>
0: oh, that's, if people are wondering why we're a minute late, is because I was reminding Fletch how, how important he is to this podcast. We were discussing as well, Birmingham City uh, sacking John Eustace, which seems a bit mental in the world of football. But this is a Forest podcast. So let's crack on as well with Michael Temple. Temps, you well?
2: Morning, mate. Happy Forest fan this morning.
0: Yes, we'll get into that. Pretty uh, pretty upbeat myself. And Asha Ali is back with us as well. Asha, morning. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Some, uh, like Temp says, a lot of positives. Absolutely. Let's get into it then. Um, Tams, just give us your kind of initial, we'll get into the bigger picture, but the game in isolation, what did you make of the game?
2: Well, look, sometimes you're looking for a result to tell you where your football club is. But for me, that was a performance which which showed me the progress that we're making, the manner in which we're able to keep the ball, the choices that we can make, and the fact that players are having to raise their game to stay in this side. A, a quick, immediate word on Willy Bolly. I thought that was his best game in possession which hasn't been his strength to this point, touched the ball more than any other Forest player, did very little wrong. So excited about Murillo, what he did and what he can be. But to wrap it up briefly, I think that we have a team now that can enjoy possession, that doesn't have to counter, that can be comfortable on the road or at home against any type of opposition. And I think we are going to make that progression this year from relegation scrap to mid-tape obscurity. And I'm delighted with that.
0: I think, and good morning to everyone who's with us. Loads of people in the comments to have you with us. I think, Fletch, I watched so many games last season, wondering if we belonged in this league, and felt it was going to go right down to the wire. The way I watched recent games, especially on Saturday, the way we're keeping the ball and the way we're you know creating not massive chances, but we're, we're working goalkeepers. It makes me feel like we
1: belong in this league. Is that how you're feeling, having witnessed us of late? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it, I mean I, I don't think it's a fluke by any stretch of the imagination. And I think when you're a newly promoted team that kind of got promoted surprisingly and you've got to make up time as they did last year, you have this survive at all costs mentality. And that's what they did. They survived at all costs playing a different brand of football week to week, revolving door of of personnel, because that's what they had to do. But year two, if you're a, if you're a well-run football club, you then go and find players to make you better. And I think that's exactly what they've done. I mean, last time I was on, we spoke about the transfer window and I didn't think they'd missed on any of the players they'd signed. I thought everybody they'd signed, there was a reason behind it. There was a skill set that they brought. And I think you now started to see that be integrated into the team. I think the fascinating thing is that I don't think I'm overstepping the mark to say the last person that would want to play five at the back with a load of people in front is the manager. I think Steve wants to play expansive football. I think he wants to play entertaining football. I think he wants to get this club eventually pushing for, for European football. And it will have wound him up as much as anybody in there having to play a brand of football that's purely based around survival. And he will be the most excited man in the room that all of a sudden he's got these pieces now that can play the kind of football that he wants to play. The fact they're starting to play like that away from home within three games of it all coming together is a testament to him and his coaching staff and what they're doing on the training pitch. I'm led to believe that it's extremely joined up in there. The relationship between manager and owner is very strong Um, and that the players have settled in very well. I mean, Temps mentioned Murillo. I'm told that pretty much from the first training session, he's walked onto the training pitch and grab the starting place with both hands. Some managers have an assessment of how you decide whether to change a team or not. A lot of managers like to see players in the top three in the group on a on a regular basis. And if you do that, you force your way in. And I'm led to believe that, that he's come in and, and just settled in straight away. He's dominating training sessions. He's been outstanding from day one. And based on that, there's no surprise that he's slotted in and played like he did at the weekend. This is a, a club that's progressing nicely. Possession stats tell you that. We would have had 15 to 20% possession at Crystal Palace last season at this stage of the season. On Saturday, we dominated the ball, played some lovely stuff. Dominguez, Sangari, the new players are doing well. Um, And and I think this is a football club heading in the right direction. And I think it's based on good decisions, solid foundations, hard work, good relationships, and that can only be good.
0: I think we spoke in the build-up, Arsha, me, you and Tempster, that Palace had a lot of injury worries... Um, but when we saw the team, I think ten out of that eleven were very seasoned pros, and they had a lot of resilience at the back. So, is there any tinge of disappointment for you that we couldn't win the game and break them down, or do you take the point and go go from there?
3: No, I don't think there's disappointment. I think when you look at that team, that defensive unit is still pretty much their main defensive unit, other than Nathaniel Klein, who you'd have Joel Ward in for. So, if if the injuries had happened, you know, if one of Anderson or Gay wasn't there. You know, you might be thinking, "Oh, okay, maybe, maybe there's there's a bit of a, a chink in that armor." But I guess the only kind of s- slight disappointment you'd have is saying, you know, someone like Callum Hudson adoy up against Nathaniel Klein who's getting on a bit, you might have expected more. But then I guess you can't really, you know, be too harsh on him. He's at a different uh, Callum Hudson Adoy, He's at a completely different stage of his kind of forest development. But no, I don't think there's. I, I think there's more positives. To come out of something like that, I mean, last still, it's an away game. You know, let's not forget that it's an away game, and that last season, you know, this is the kind of game, like Steve Cooper said, that we might have walked away with absolutely nothing. And one of those, you know, chances we were lucky that they were so poor in front of goal, like that Mateta chance, you know, and and the kind of chances they did have, they 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 were just poor. They were just poor. But to come away with a point, yeah, if, there, if it was at the city ground, you might feel different, but as an away performance, and as a three in midfield who are starting to get on the ball now and starting to really look after the ball as well, I think you've got to be positive.
0: And mm-hmm. um, let's talk more about Murillo then. He's the star of the show, and suddenly the wider football world's waking up to him. Um, temps, I mean, that run was prime kind of Roberto Carlos meets Carlos Pugliel type type football. How excited should we get? Do we have a word of caution that he hasn't gone up against a really elite strike force yet against him? Or are you that excited that he's the real deal and he's going to be playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid in a few years?
2: If you're telling me that over the course of his career, he's not going to be a 40-50 cap Brazilian international, then I don't think you know football. He's got the fundamentals, wins (laughs) his heads and tackles. I pegged him as 5'10", 5'11", because he looks so wide. I'm assured he's six foot plus and he does do those fundamentals well. But to add to that, the ability to step out of the defence, find a pass. We saw a couple of examples of that, that ranging ball, the through ball to Gibbs White, the raking ball out to the right hand side. But most pointedly, being able to waltz through the Crystal Palace midfield and unfortunately completely lose his composure of the final touch after the, the perfect, perfect run out from the back. That would have been goal of the season for me. Completely unexpected for the uninitiated. A good piece that has put together in The Athletic today, just describing that anyone that's seen him at Corinthians, anyone that saw him in the Brazilian youth setup around Corinthians under-20s as well, this is what this kid does consistently. Forrest have nipped in there and paid 13 million quid for a player, for me, who looks, he's already worth double, triple that and has the highest of ceilings. He can be whatever he wants to be. He's got the perfect manager In Steve Cooper, who's going to nurture him, but also expose him in big games if he thinks he's good enough and ready for it. Off the 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 case of um, the body of work we've seen from him so far is two games, so there has to be a cautionary tale. He's still got the occasional uh, missed pass in him, of course. That's that's going to come with acclimatization. With we've known the conditions, we've known his teammates, but to have the impact he's had on two games completely changes that depth chart of Forrest in the centre-half position, where I think he's now a must-pick.
0: Uh, yeah, I know it's a course tale, tell, but you've given him 40 Brazil caps and valued him at 45 million quid. <laughs> so, what, what are you saying about him, Fletch?
1: Well, the maths, the, the maths don't work, because if he gets 40 or 50 Brazil caps, he's going to cost way more than 40 or 50 million quid. So, that's that, that's where Temps is incorrect. He's, he's married up the caps to the money, and he has to go higher. I mean, look, I remember the days of Nikola Yurkan, who could skip through a midfield like nobody's business, and the minute he had to defend, it was it was panic stations. I think he's, he's ultimately going to be judged, and this is going to be an interesting development for Forrest. If you see the best teams in the Premier League, the teams that do challenge for Europe and beyond, their centre-backs are able to play 2v2. So one centre-back takes one attacker, and the other centre-back takes the other attacker, and then everybody else can think about moving the ball on. It allows the fullbacks to push on. That's the midfield players go and join in. And, and the big test for him is going to be eventually against the very best, can he go 1v1 in a 2v2 situation? And that's going to decide whether he plays 50 times for Brazil and it's going to decide whether he's worth 50 million quid. In terms of immediate impact on the club, it's been outstanding. And I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody not to get carried away because that's why we're fans. We're allowed to get carried away. You know, I... I I'm a little bit conflicted at the minute by people saying, well, the expectations have gone up at the ground. And so they should. We're football supporters. That's what we do. So let's not worry too much about that. Let's just channel it in the right way. But certain clubs have certain abilities to identify players ahead of everybody else in certain markets. And when you think about Danilo and then you think about Murillo, it's trending in the right direction. This recruitment staff at Forest seem to have an inside track in Brazil. Now, that's not a bad market if you're good to be shopping in because they tend to be, as Temps has said, players that go on to have greater value and are sought after by big clubs. Now, if you're going to be a club that needs to be self-sustainable, as we saw with Brandon Johnson, there are going to be times when you've got to sell one or two for a profit and then you go again based on financial fair play. So everything is, is positive. His performance at the weekend was outstanding. We talk about the dribble through the through the through the the Palace team and the shot at the end, but what about his range of passing? I mean, his his range of passing is ridiculous. To be able to turn defense into attack with a with a pass like that is a is a wonderful ability to have. So I think it's positive on, on many levels. It's another exciting young Brazilian who's come in hot on the heels of Danilo. It's a player that looks like he's gonna be a wonderful addition to the squad. And as I said to you earlier, I'm told that his attitude from day one has been impeccable. Work ethic, ability to settle, impact on the training pitch, impact in his own dressing room. And all of that has to be a positive.
2: And that's on the weekend that Man United named Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire as their starting center half in the Premier yeah, League.
1: Don't even start me on Man United because how can you have a man in Eric Ten Hag who should know the Dutch league better than anybody else and his centre-half position is tenuous at best? And Mickey van der Ven plays for Tottenham. I mean, just to explain to me how that works. I, I just don't get it. So don't don't even go there with the Man United centre back situation. I mean, it's it's outrageous.
2: But in the over the past few years, would you swap your Forest centre halves and Man New centre halves? You probably would for the last twenty five years. Right now, there's no way in this world I'd even consider a deal of that type. So much more excited about what we've got.
3: Just to pick up on something that was in the comments, I was about to say, which reflo- refers to. Uh, don't read them.
2: Oh shit!
1: Don't. Yeah, I know,
3: but I don't know how you get rid of them. I'm going to oh, get yeah. wrong. And get rid of them because so, I just get abuse in there. Um, but someone's mentioned something that I was going to mention. Um, our, our, in terms of recruitment, in terms of South America, mentioning our, our man in Brazil, which sounds like a '70s film, doesn't it? Our man in Brazil, but um, uh, Thomas Federspiel. He's the guy who's apparently. You know, playing a big part in, you know, Danilo and, and Murillo and anybody else that we've tried to get. So we should probably shout him out because he seems to be, he seems to have a good eye.
0: And Arsha, I suppose the thing, the wider picture is like now we've got five or six really good defenders. I mean, like Moose and Nicate, a lot of people have had as the top of that list a few weeks ago. If we're playing the back four, he's going to struggle to get back in the team, isn't he? Because Bolly and Ni- uh, Bolly and Murillo look at an excellent pairing in, in general.
3: Yeah, I think as well in all of this, you know, we're we're getting carried away with Marillo and rightly so. I think in all of this you do need to give a massive shout out to Bolly. You know, because if let's all be honest, let's not pretend, let's not, you know, put revisionist spin on it. As soon as we saw Bolly sign and as soon as we saw Aurier sign, we you know, there were, oh, you know, what what have we gone for those two? You know, there was a little bit of rumblings, you know. Do we do we really need those two? And they have turned out to be so important for us. You know Aurier on the right. You know and he's captain in the last few games, and Bolly is just—he's just a totem pole, isn't he? He's just so solid. Everything he does, you know, like like Tem says against Palace, he, he looked after the ball as well, which is something that you might have accused him, or you might have seen, like you know, oh, but can he can he can he sort of distribute it from from out of the back. But, yeah, I mean, that, that pairing. I mean, there were, let, you know, let's be honest as well, there were a few moments in the game where there was a bit of miscommunication between the two of them. Like, I'm, You know, and that's obviously has to be language. You know, I'm thinking of, like, the corner where, you know, they both went up for it and, you know, a bit of communication there might help. But I think this international break as well, now that they'll get, you know, a good two weeks as well to work with him, I think we're, we're going to see him continue on this kind of uh, trajectory.
1: One caveat I would put in, uh, I love all the positivity and everything else. The concern I have with the centre-back room is that who can we rely on physically? And I look at Nierkate, Felipe and Bolly as players that at the stage of the career that they're at or the body types that they have, they will have periods out of the team. And I think you might look at Murillo and you hope that he's the constant, but I think we would be optimistic if we think we're going to go with Bolly and Murillo for 30 games on the spin and everything's going to be fine and we can forget that position. History will tell you, just since they've been at Forest, that they are susceptible to injuries at this stage. And when they do get injured, they don't tend to be an injury that keeps them out for a game. They seem to be an injury that keeps them out for six weeks. So that might be a work in progress is the point I'm making all season, simply because there might have to be chopping and changing due to physical limitations from one of the partners alongside Marillo and there would also be the temptation and there is no better manager in the premier league in terms of looking after young players than Steve. There's also Brian Clough said once, he said the easiest job in the world is knowing when to put a, a young player into the team. The hardest job in the world is knowing when to take them out again for a breather. So there will come a stage where you've got a young lad who's, who's come from one side of the world to the other settled into a new league. And they're all doing this at the minute who at some stage might have to come out. So there are, you know, this this is not something that's immediately solved by the clean sheets at Crystal Palace and Murillo turning up. There are still levels and steps that need to be put in place until we actually get a a definite centre-half pair that you know, more often than not, game after game, you'll roll out and they'll play. So I think great step in the right direction. One half of the partnership looks superb. Got to work out what the other half's going to look like based on that, that on that physicality, etc.
0: Um, it's over five hundred people watching, so do do us a favour and like and subscribe if you haven't already. I pressed the wrong button now, That's really small. Oh, yeah, hang on. Here's the big one, just to annoy everyone. There, like and subscribe, uh, help us out. Right, let's move into midfield. Then I mean, preseason so irrelevant. And I hate reading too much into it, but there's some of those friendlies we literally could not keep the ball for more than two passes. Now temps, you watch, you know. Uh, I mean, Dominguez, I think, is just an elite signing. He's the best of the three, but Sangare is coming into his own, Mangala as well. You've got Yates in the mix, Andre Santos, Danilo's come back, who I think, could be the best of the bunch. How do you assess where we're at now compared to where we were, you know, just at the start of the season in midfield?
2: You're right, that willingness to keep the ball in possession, lateral passes, fine now, we're able to build attacks and, and work through the phases, whereas before it was very much about get from the back to the front as, as quick as you can and try and catch fullbacks cold. So players like that are very, very important. And Dominguez is such a, an upgrade on Remo Freuler. He's probably doing what we thought Freuler would keeping it over, lending players the ball, playing a wall pass, like entirely comfortable with one touch. There's, there's a defensive intensity to Dominguez as well that I really like in that he's able to press high and call on the press and go at the right time. And seems to be a leader that others follow in that regard. So rather than falling back into a uh, bank of four, bank of five, as we had playing the low block in the, in the survival era, which Fletch described, earlier, we now try and win the ball back in the final third and force a turnover, which is such a a more progressive way to play football. And it relies on the quality of the personnel that you have in there. Dominguez has been exceptional for me in the last couple of games. He hasn't quite got the plaudits um, he perhaps deserves because others have stood up and um, put in man-of-the-match performances. But you can see how important he's going to become to this side. He also takes a bit of attention away from Morgan Gibbs-White because he is useful in possession. He can find a pass. He can time his run into the box. He's got a goal in him, as we've seen. Interested to hear that you're ranking him above Sangare because I think a player like Sangare allows players like Dominguez and Gibbs-White to do what they do. He's a facilitator um, as as well as an important figure on the ball himself. Love that blend, centre-mid. I didn't think that um, Mangala would establish himself in quite the way that he has um, perhaps Ryan Yates can put pressure on that position. Perhaps Morgan Gibbs-White can put a bit of pressure on that position if we want to get Elanger and Hudson uh, Adoy on the pitch at the same time. But really excited by those two signings. And like you say, they weren't here in pre-season. So all of that time we we wasted talking about Forrest playing against Johnny No one from Spanish Division 2 is completely irrelevant because this side now, there's no resemblance to the team that we had in that run of friendlies.
0: True. I rank him above Sangare in terms of performances we've seen over the long term. I'm not so sure. Sangare opens doors to get players like this into the team. I mean, you'd spoken about him, Fletch, in terms of... Was it Don Hutchinson who said about to you about his pressing ability? But, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's he better good. on the ball than I thought, though.
1: He was known in Italy when he was at Bologna as the king of the press. It probably sounds wonderful when they say it in Italian, but, but he was known as the king of the press when he was at Bologna. And you can see why when you see him. I don't think there's any necessity at this stage to rank Sangari and Dominguez. I think we're just delighted to have the pair of them. And I think you, when we talk about the centre back positions, you now know that two of your starting central midfielders are them. Whatever you play, they've got to play, haven't they? Mm. But I, I think, I think again, this is this is a work in progress. He's settled in so well, hasn't he? He's just settled a little bit quicker than Sangari. I think, it, like you say, he's just he's just hit his straps a little bit quicker. I think Mangala's position will come under threat by Danilo when he's available. Um, I completely understand Temps's comparison to Froilà. I mean, he's like Freuler on three shredded wheat, isn't he? This fellow. I mean, he's just he's just got that energy level, that ability to go and try and dominate central midfield. I think there's a nice blend in there because I think Sangari gives you a little bit of everything added to that physical intimidation that you need in a modern midfielder now. You've got the, 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 the wonderful ability to rat around the ball from Dominguez, and then he can he can do things around the opposition box. And at the moment, Mangala is that safe bearer hands keeping the ball and moving it and making sure everything's okay. Um, I think again, you know, that midfield will develop as they can play 2v2 at the back. It goes to that again. If you want to start to get Hudson Ladoy and Ilanga and Gibbs White and Awani in the team, you've got to trust your two central defenders to be able to play. 2v2, so that's going to be a work in progress again as it goes. One player I hope benefits from this, and please don't take this as a negative because I think he's a wonderfully talented footballer, but I think Morgan Gibbs-White puts too much pressure on himself to do big things, great things in games because he's had to. If you think back to last season, it was him or Brennan Johnson had to win you the game, and if they didn't, you were going to be struggling. doesn't have to do that now. He can be part of a team that's got other players in it who can be match winners. And I hope, ultimately, that he benefits more than anybody else. And all of a sudden, he hasn't got to be quite as extravagant. He can pick his moments. Hasn't got to put the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think if he can relax a little bit more into that unit, then he will become a better player. I think it's admirable that he's been the one who wants to try and win games for us because that takes responsibility and it takes guts. But I don't think now he necessarily has to, because there are other people in the group who can do it. Whether that's Hudson-Odoi, whether that's Alanga, Dominguez had a couple of chances at the weekend, whether it's a centre-back having a Ricky Velia run and sticking it in, as we saw Murillo do. There are other players now within that group that can win you a game not called Morgan Gibbs-White. And I hope that by him having less responsibility to do that, that we eventually get more out of him as an individual, because he... I think he's one of the most talented players in his position in the Premier League. And I think the moment the penny really drops, we'll have a player that a lot of other clubs would like to take from us. And I just hope that the new ones coming in can quicken that process to get in there because he's not got to try and do everything all the time in this new Forest team compared to what he had to do in the other one.
0: You, you watch Spurs, didn't you, at the weekend, Fletch? Yes. So you've seen a lot of them. Does he need to kind of watch Madison, who does, who is involved in everything but doesn't try to do everything? Like he'll come deep and get it and play a simple pass, and see, then he'll they're, try be they're, a
1: good, they're a good comparison, aren't they? Because last season, the Tottenham managers played with a back three hmm. because they didn't feel that the centre backs were strong enough. Now they put Van der Ven next to Romero. And they go, ah, okay now we can go 2v2 because they're both quick and they're both good 1v1. They then sit two in midfield in Papsar and and Eve Bissouma. And then all of a sudden, you've got James Madison sitting in the hole. You've got Richarlison off one side, Brennan Okulosevsky off the other and Son through the middle. It's very well balanced. So if you could create a situation at Forest where you've got Murillo and A another at centre-half and you're happy with them to be 2v2, Then all of a sudden you can sit Sangari next to Dominguez and you can maybe play Morgan Gibbs-White as a 10. You can have Hudson-Odoi on one side, you can have Alanga on the other and you can have Aouni through the middle. But the manager has to have the confidence in the two centre-backs that out of possession they can go 2v2. Newcastle do it really well. We saw it against Paris Saint-Germain in the week. You know When they've got Botman next to Cher, they're happy just to leave those two to go 2v2. Sit a couple in midfield, let Bruno roam around and then the front three do what they do. So I think it's a massive step in the right direction towards the kind of team that the manager wants to play and the kind of team that the fans will really enjoy watching. I think once they get that ability to say, we are happy with the two centre-backs now, then I think the rest of it will balance off and all of a sudden you can have some real fun higher up the pitch with the players that we've got. And no doubt, though, they will be improved upon in coming transfer windows because all of a sudden you're thinking, right, we're solid at the back, we know what we're doing. Now we're going to work out how we can become really entertaining at the top end. So I think Spurs are a good case in point, Matt, in that regard, because they've made that progression under Postecoglou this season, and the arrival of Mickey Van Der Ven, I think, has been key to all of that.
3: You see, you what? say all that, you know, and I get, and I get, you know, you're sort of saying like Madison would be a a good comparison, but I mean, just going off the weekend, he was unlucky not to score that goal. You know he's you know that to to take a, a a chance like that over the, over the top and and to try what he he tried you know very very unlucky not to score, but th- this was the concerning thing for me in that game he had seventy percent pass completion, and you, you're talking about uh, Orel Mangala was at ninety seven really looking after the ball, and that that is kind of worrying when you're looking at someone who you know. Like like we say, maybe it's an old mentality from last season that we're trying to funnel everything through Morgan Gibbs White. But that was slightly worrying to me. It's the type I, of passage he's trying to play there, isn't it? Exactly. That's my next point. So my next point is, is that you wouldn't necessarily want to change too much of him. Like I know it's well known that he, you know, Steve Cooper sort of said to Brennan and uh uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, you know, said to them... I don't know why I always say his full name. I think it's because of the chant. You always say Morgan, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White. Anyway, but he said to them both, don't be boring. And I think there's an element of that that he's still holding on to. Yes, yeah, yeah. simple passes is a different thing. I don't think you count that in don't be boring. But if you're saying to a player like that, you know, don't be boring. I mean, you take away a lot of his game. He's the, he's the guy who strives for those beautiful touches. He's the... You know, the Danilo goal from last season, that little touch, you know, and nobody else has, you know, got the balls to try that. And when it comes off, it comes off and it's all over, you know, the media. But I think with him also as well, in the last two games, because he was benched in that Brentford game, his defensive contributions have gone up. Like in the Palace game as well, you know, he was putting in, I think he put in two, two kind of important tackles in the middle. Of the pitch so i don't i don't know he's he's a tricky one i think he will adapt i think he'll find a different way to be influential because there was a period last last season where he kind of tailed off a bit and then he found another way to to fit into this team and i think he he needs to do that again now because now that we've got a three where you've got dominguez who's box to box you've got mangala who sort of covers slightly less distance but is tidy with the ball now and then you've got Sangare, who against Palace, out of the three of them, he was sitting the deepest. If you look at his touch map and heat map and all that stuff, he was slightly sitting, you know, deepest. But still, like Temp says, he was the main reason why we were winning those high turnovers, Sangare. So that's nice that he's got that in his game. So I think, you know, it gives he's going to have to find a different way to,
0: to be someone who puts the ball him. at risk, isn't he? Someone has to put the ball at risk to create the big chance. I think that's.
1: It's it's, it's a a ludicrous comparison to compare his pass completion percentage to Oral Mangala, who sits at the base of a a midfield three, has to pass it five yards. If you gave Morgan Gibbs-White that job, no doubt he'd have a better pass completion rate than Mangala. If you
3: look look at his heat map, I don't think he's as deep as you think he was, especially in that game. I'm talking about this game. He's
1: not going to play there, though, is he? At the moment, he's playing off the side. There's no way that... Yeah. Well, it, it but he's still play coming
3: play in, though. He's he's still come, I mean, just as a stat, just as a general stat, that really stuck out as a kind of like, OK, yeah, we know he attempts uh, slightly riskier passes. He's he's more involved in the attacking third. But just as a, just as a thing, it really stuck out
1: yeah. to me. Yeah, and like, yeah. Russia, if, if, what's if, going if, on if, there? If he was completed 100% of his passes playing those kind of passes, he'd be Lionel Messi. It, 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 it's, it's a different kind of ball. He's trying to... He's trying to play
3: balls in the... Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing that it's a, there's a different type of ball. My point as well in that last point was that, or that you know, Mangale by himself is looking after the ball a lot, a lot more if you look at his stats in the other games. I mean, I'm not a massive stats yeah. guru. I don't look at that kind of thing. It's not something that's interesting to me per se, but when you look at an overview of a game, just seeing that list down of, of people who played the 90, it, it did just stick out.
1: You just can't compare... Mangala's.
3: I'm not comparing. Completion. We should move on. I'm not comparing. I'm not. <laughs> Let's comparing. move on. We're going
0: down a the blind
3: alley. They, the they, they don't play in the same position.
1: You just have you've used Mangala as the example of Morgan Gibbs White's pass completion percentage. It's it's it, a sitting midfield. If you play, go back,
3: which I'm sure you like will do, you probably will go back and listen to it. You, you'll see what what I said. I didn't say that. Let's it wasn't on, a direct comparison. Yeah. It was this is this is what he's done. He's looking after the ball well. Great. He's playing a different position. Morgan Gibbs White, seventy percent. What's that? That's a bit alarming. You know, yes, he's trying to strive for like uh, the risky, beautiful pass that will unlock a defense. But that I'm talking about him in isolation. Like he he's you know he's not looking after the ball as well as we know he can.
1: Yeah. And I think as the team gets better and the options improve and they become a team that is more about playing attacking football in a system that's conducive to him being in the team and being able to do that, which was the point I made, all of that will come together. He's still a young player. It's only his second year as a Premier League starter. And he was in a team last year that found it very difficult to generate chances and wanted to play on the counter-attack all the time and had to because they were sitting so deep all the time. He's got everything in there and I think he will benefit most by this team getting better and I also think that if he could play more centrally eventually you would get more out of him because at the minute I'm not saying he's a square peg in a round hole but I think in an ideal world he would play in a different area than where he is now because he is out there on that side and I think when you are maybe out of the game and you're a player like him when you do get on the ball your natural reaction is, I've not been on the ball for a while. I need to make something happen because that's what I'm in here for. And then you take an unnecessary risk and maybe play a ball that you don't need to do. And I think the more touches he gets in a team that's got more possession, the more he'll settle, the more he'll mature as a player. And I think eventually you'll see that he's a, a young man that's going to be around the England side. And, and I think he's, 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 he, all the talent is there. It's just about now, harnessing what he does in a mm-hmm. team that might give him more opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well, where, where do you he put
3: him in, in there? That goes back to like, are, are you more comfortable with a three-man midfield or are you more comfortable oh, yeah, with a two-sitting and then you know, having
1: it gives white in front? It goes back to that point again. The best teams in the Premier League play 2v2 at the back. And then when they do that, they can play, they can either play three in midfield or two in midfield. But if they play the two, then they can have one that's, that's a Madison. They can have somebody slightly higher that plays in the pocket but you've got to be confident that when you lose the ball, you're not going to get walloped at the other end because the, the centre-backs aren't up for, for what they need to do. So I think, it, ultimately, if they could play with a back four and two, and then Gibbs-White as your three player, and then you've got the speed out wide in the Langer and, and, and Gibbs-White based on what they've got now, and then hourly through the middle, you've potentially got a very exciting team. But that's all dictated to by the the manager being happy enough that the two centre-backs can be isolated with the forward players of the opposition. So I think if you can sit two and give Morgan the freedom to go and play, the way that Madison does for Tottenham, the way that Bruno does for Newcastle, there are examples in the Premier League of how it works and how it works really well. Um, I don't see with the personnel they've got now why they can't move towards something like that. In the not too distant future, you know, maybe by the end of the season, if the manager decides that Murillo and Bolly are good enough like that. And I know he thinks that Murillo, athletically, is, is going to be fine in that kind of situation. And I also think he feels that Bolly is clever enough as a defender to never put himself in a position where he's going to get ripped apart. Because he's a, he's a, if you look at Willie, Willie's a big guy and he might not be that quick on the turn, but he's a very intelligent defender. You very rarely say Willie Bolly was out of position there. He knows exactly where to be with his experience in nows. That must be a nightmare for a centre forward. He must be thinking I'm faster than him. And but I can't get away from him because he stood exactly where I don't want him. So he's bright. So maybe that, maybe that can happen. If Willie stays fit, maybe those two can do that. And then the mm. team develops like that. So I think I think the possibilities are endless, provided the two in the middle at the back can do what they need to do. And that's so important in in the Premier League now. They're all they're all all the good teams do it. So if Forrest can, all bets are
0: off. Right, let's change gear because uh, the clock's ticking. Uh, Temps, you sat there very patiently. Don't talk to me about Morgan Gibbs-White because we've done 15 minutes of Morgan Gibbs-White. Talk to me about Tyro Wonyi and his injury. Uh, he, he does struggle to stay fit, doesn't he? It presents a bit of a problem about how many goals we're going to score in a game. We don't, we don't look like we're going to be too prolific while he's on the sidelines.
2: Well, similarly to the, the centre-halves that's been mentioned before, tyro is is... Integral to the manner in which we play, and his fitness is integral to us being in in fifth gear, and all of these attacking pieces of the jigsaw fitting him fitting in around him. Chris Wood has got the nod because he's the the like um, for like replacement for Tiwany in a in a credential sense, but for me, not in an ability or form sense. He doesn't offer us the same dynamism uh, running in behind, so he becomes more of a classic target man and we're not looking to play the long ball. We're still looking to get to the byline and cross, feed the wingers and and feed Chris Wood um, as we would expect that he likes to be. But tyler just brings that extra dimension because he's able to stretch teams, running behind, so adept um, with the hold-up play and has far better feet than he's, it, the, how, how his technique looks would suggest. He's ungainly at times. He's been compared um, unkindly to to one or two other players. But his stats, his ability and his output has been consistent over the last 15, 20 games started this season, back end of last season. We really miss him. And I think if this is going to be six weeks out, we potentially need to look at an alternative to Chris Wood. And Divock Origi is probably the player that I'd call for in that regard. Um, he's reportedly not quite match fit yet, not ready for, for 19 minutes. He needs to be ahead of that looting game because I'm just not convinced that... Chris Wood's uh, package is is anywhere near akin to what Tywo offers when he's fit. I thought he looked a little bit <laughs> cl- uh, he looked a little right bit clumsy. Laughing, he looked a little bit clumsy in the in the final third. We were trying to play into him, play, play off him. It just didn't quite happen for, for Chris Wood. He has shown flashes. Tywo is by far and away our first pick as, a, as an out-and-out nine. But I, I would like to see uh, Divock give it an opportunity when we get to the Luton game.
0: Talk of Big Willie and Chris Wood's package today.
2: By the way, that's what was entertaining me. While Asher and uh, Fletch were going uh, head-to-head, I was just enjoying all the Big Willie puns in the comments. First class from the listeners.
3: Why did you do get them every week? Wood <laughs> <laughs> was all
0: right, wasn't he, Fletch? I um, I, just, uh, I thought his hold play was good, but he doesn't necessarily fit the collective way we want to play. I don't think it's necessarily his fault, is it? He didn't oh, have a massive
1: impact. I had a conversation with Sean Dice about it. And Sean said the biggest misconception of... of Chris Wood, is that he's a target man. He said, we thought he was, Burnley. He said, but he's not. He said, the last thing Chris wants to do is have you play into him with his back to goal and hold it up. He said, he's actually very good at finding space in the opposition box and making things happen when he's in there. He said, he's almost got an uncanny ability to do it, which they found. He said, and we tended to use Barnes as the hold-up player more than Wood because it didn't suit him. Chris just looks like he should be that kind of player, but he isn't. But isn't it wonderful that we sat here this season and how he's injured and the options are Chris Wood or Dibok Origi. This is a club that came into the Premier League and was struggling for goals and now they have three strikers. So the yeah. options are there. Um, and it, again, it goes back to Musa and Felipe and Bolly. that maybe the way that Taiwo is, because he's a, when you look at him, I mean, he's a highly tuned athlete. I mean, in terms of, The physical ability he has, it's special, isn't it, in terms of speed, in terms of his power. You think now that what he is 12 months on in the Premier League, the intelligence now that you see in his game, the the subtle movement as Arsenal was outstanding to just move inside a very good defender and score the goal. But I just think he's going to be part of the package with Tywo that he is going to have periods out. It looks like he's, he's just one of those unfortunate players that, that get injured from time to time and spends time out. So, and, and they've got nobody like him, have they? I mean, he's, he's unique in the club in terms of the kind of centre-forward that he is. And, and, and I think he's another one of those, isn't he? That if he stays fit and scores the goals that his ability is going to bring in, I think he's another one that teams are going to be saying, how much do you want for him? I mean, I think it's, it's a great bit of business. But I also think it's a fantastic coaching job. That, that, that The manager and the team have managed to get Taiwo's game to develop to the point it has now in a relatively short space of time.
0: One thing we didn't do, Arsha, in the last game, and probably the game for that, we we haven't really created that one big chance where you say, you know, it should be a goal 80% of the time. Is that something you think will come with Hudson-Odoi and Ilanga getting more pitch time and gives white linking up with them? Or is it, is it a concern, especially while Tyro's out?
3: I think when it comes to uh, Hudson-Odoi and Elanga I think if if... Up until now, if you're disappointed with those two, if you're disappointed with the output of those two, I think you've framed them wrong. They're not complete players. They didn't arrive at the club with any kind of, you know, completion, you know, all-round game. They're, they're both projects in their own way. Like, Alanga is a lot, raw. I guess, like, he surprised me, actually. And I, I, and I will say, obviously, like, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Manchester United. But he has surprised me how raw he actually is. So he's, you know, he's someone they need to polish up, and then Callum hudson Adoy on the other side, you know, let let's be honest, there's a reason why that fee was that fee. If that's the correct fee and it's quoted as that, and it's, you know, with with whatever backdoor add-ons there are, or whatever, there's a reason why that fee was so low. It's because he is, in some ways, is a bit of a reclamation project. You know what he was. You know how good he was, and. How many people were interested all around the world? Who was willing to put the money on the table back, you know, when? He's still young. it's you know, It wasn't that long ago. But obviously, and these are his own words as well, injuries have caught up with him. Injuries have changed his game. He's maybe not that explosive. And I think that's something he's actually said himself is when he got, uh, I think it might have been his Achilles injury, I'm not sure, but when he got that injury, he felt that when he came back, he, he wasn't as explosive. As he maybe was before. So those two players, I think, you know, if you if you're going at those two and thinking, you know, oh, you know, maybe they, they they should be um providing more, I think you need to put it into context. But it's still a win-win. Those are still two bargains. So if they, if they come off for us and they become, you know, starters or whatever, great. If they don't, and you know, they don't quite come off, but they've still got huge value to us, then they become the guys who in the next recruitment windows, you know, you bring in maybe someone who's slightly more established. And then you've got actual depth in if we're going to play wingers, you've got depth. Because if, if one of those gets injured and we're wanting to play two wingers, who are we turning to?
1: Yeah. Is I this think Archer, I think Archer makes a great point, particularly around Callum. And you would also add, add to that that he probably needs to rebuild his own confidence as well because he got the world at his feet. And as Archer said, there was a lot of money on the table from clubs in Germany in particular. And then he ends up joining Forrest for three million quid, if that's right. And he must be kind of thinking, what's happened here exactly to me? Because I'm, I'm still the same guy. So he's got to work that out. And I think the Elanga thing's interesting because Anthony Alanger's never really been a starter. Now you're saying, well, can he... And he can impact off the bench because he's coming on at a time when defenders might be tired and the game's getting stretched and his speed's a real factor. But what do you do when you're on there from the start? And everybody's as fresh as you. And I thought we saw one or two telltale signs in the game against Burnley where... He was up against the fullback. It was as quick as him. So, okay, what do you do now then? And this is part of his development. And Arsh is quite right that he's got to work out that when he can't just run past you and, and that speed is not quite enough, what happens now? What do we do now? And I think that's where he's got to mature, that he's okay as an impact player off the bench and has been. Can he develop as a starter? And what, what's plan B, plan C, when the fullback is is as quick as you? What What, what, what do you do? But I mean, the beauty of it is they've got a manager there and a coaching staff that knows exactly what to do with these individuals. So they couldn't be in a better place. I just think it's a case of of patience. And I, I would be really surprised if by the second half of this season they're not showing signs of improvement in that regard. And certainly by the start of the next one, that you're looking and saying, Wow, you know, for 18 million quid for the two of them, what a what a wonderful bit of business that was for the pair. But I think it's a it's a It's a really valid point that there needs to be a bit of patience around the pair of them based on on circumstances for them.
0: I suppose, Temps, it was the trade we had to make as well with selling Brennan to buy Sangari and other players. You had to look in the kind of bargain basement isn't the right phrase, but, you know, project, as Asha said, it was something we were going to have to do.
2: This isn't going to stop. This is the evolution of a football club. And you fast forward a year, 18 months time, it's probably Danilo being sold for a significant uh, profit. You, you fast forward four or five years time. There has to be a production line of this, such as the nature of FFP. You can't spend, 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 even if your owner has the generosity and the, and the bank role to facilitate that. So, look, I, I get it. I I understand that completely. We're going to be very, very um, active in our, in our trading in the next 10 transfer windows um, such as the style and the ambition of the owner and this is something Fletch touched on earlier this I'm I'm still trying to get my head around the ambition of the owner and this mindset that you know what a draw away at Palace probably isn't enough given the ambition and the resource that our club um, now now has it's going to it's going to require a complete retune I think we're, we're possibly starting to see it um, at, at matches now, the expectation is higher. We are all excited about these players and the improvements that they're making and therefore don't cut the slack that we perhaps did last year when we won um, the odd game against uh, the head, which was, was a feature of our, our kind of early season form. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting that now and I, 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 maybe we need to be a, uh, look for a different lens when we're assessing these, these players, the players that we were excited about last season um, and now finding themselves on, on our bench through no fault of their own, just through the evolution of this football club. The Gents, style is going to continue to change. We have to move with it. And I'm just, yeah, so excited about the potential for this season and, and next and beyond I that.
1: the fascinating aspect of this as well, <laughs> and this this will impact the players that you're talking about, I don't think we're going to carry on having transfer windows where they bring in the amount of players, the number of players. It has to stop. I think you look at that Forest squad now, And you think, okay, they've got five or six centre-backs that they can rely on, two goalkeepers that they're satisfied with, two full-backs for each side. The midfield's got enough in there for any kind of blend. Three strikers up top, and you've got players who can play wide. So there's no need now for depth. They've got the depth. They're okay. They've got players who didn't make the Premier League squad, who last year would have been in. Okay, so they're fine. In some areas, they've got three full-backs for one side. So they're more than stocked. I think the challenge for all of them now is that Sangari at 30 million is the quality addition. So you look at him and go, well, he's going to play because he's a better player than what we've been buying. And maybe you get to the the transfer window, maybe not in the the winter, but maybe next summer. And instead of buying 12, they buy three, but they buy three of a higher price. They're supposed to be better than what, what you've got. So the team develops. And that's going to be the challenge to the people who are there now, the, the people are going to come in supposedly better than them with a bigger price tag and a bigger reputation. Can you go with it? So all of this is going to be interesting now because I think they've done the heavy lifting. They've done the let's put a squad together over the three windows they've had. Now it's about what do we need now to be better? Is that 40 million on a center forward? You know, is that, another 35 million on a central midfielder. Do we go and really push the boat out and say, Marillo needs a really good partner, so let's do 40 on a on a centre half to play next to him? And that's all of the business. But it makes us significantly better. So I think it's going to change from this point. We're not going to get so many situations that Arsha talked about there where people have got questions to answer when they come in or development to have. I think we're going to see more finished articles come in, which will then make then make the team better but it'll also make the squad better because the ones that were there before are then going to become the backups unless they can fulfil their potential and then there's no need to do it so I think it works out as a win-win but I think it will it will change moving forward in terms and, of
2: how and I'm, I'm an advocate for that I'm an advocate for two or three quality additions I just think we've yeah. settled 11 comes settled bench and becomes unhappy players outside the team and, and while you're winning there's very little for them to argue about or to be Uh, annoyed with. But Sam Surridge last year was uh, considered a worthy substitute in the Premier League. Didn't suit um, him and the stage of his career he was at. So he found himself a move to to MLS. And now that as the bar is raising, the, the, the gear that you need to find to be in that 11 is raising and there'll be some unhappy players on the bench because that's the nature of these sportsmen. Super ambitious, back themselves. All, all remember their strengths and, you know, try to try to hide their weak points. There's not a player in that 25 that doesn't think they should be starting. So I, I can't help but feel that that, and lied to the ambition of the owner, suggests that we might have more active transfer windows than perhaps you and I would like in the, in the next few cycles. But it, it, it is, it's a sign of evolution. It's a sign um, of, of ambition. But as an individual, I don't think there's too many players that are happy having 10 games in a row on the bench.
0: No, but we'll see a big turnover of exits. Remember, we've got a ton of players out on loan, like Dennis, Shelby, players out of contract. I don't even know if Freud's gone permanently. I think he has. But yeah, there's a lot of there's gonna be a big turnover outwards. But like you guys say, I hope the inwards business is more concentrated, just to two or three key signings. Uh right, I think that covers all the ground that I wanted to. Um, Arsha, anything you want to add before we depart? Any final thoughts? No, just one one last thing
3: that came into my head then. So just to bring it back, where are our goals coming from over these next few games? If Owenie's out for six six weeks or whatever, two weeks obviously of that will be the international break. Thank God, but it, it does make me think because he, you know, how, how many goals did we score? Thirty odd or whatever it was uh, last year. And that he got ten, didn't he? So that's that's a that's a sizable chunk. So who's gonna who's gonna step up in that way?
1: Who knows? And Johnson yeah. got the, Johnson got the majority of the others. Didn't yeah.
3: They? Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a challenge there. They, you know, Hudson adoy and hopefully going to chip in with a few. Elanga, Gibbs White. Yeah, I know it is a bit of a concern. I do agree. But We've got interesting games coming up. I mean, obviously, we'll yeah,
3: that Luton, that Luton one. I don't think it's going to be as easy as we all think it's going to be. No, they're not terrible. I mean, they're they're bit, they're, small, they're but they missed some uh,
0: chances on Saturday, didn't they, Fletch? Bloody it could hell. have been
1: five 0 down after 15 minutes, but after that, they were okay. But I mean, yeah. again, they're going to be like we were last year they're going to stay up or go down depending on what they do at canon overthrow Throne. i think they'll find it more difficult to, at the city ground i think when you when you look at the when you look at the team that luton have it still looks like a championship team to all intents and purposes um i mean carlton morris at the weekend was a real threat ogbenne oh, mm-hmm. out wide very good but i think you can get at the central defenders and I, I looked at central midfield and I'd be very surprised if Forrest don't dominate in there. But but the spirit of it and the way that Rob Edwards has gone and played, I mean, he kicks every ball with them. They're not an easy out. I mean, I don't think they're going to get rolled too often. I, I can't see them losing eight like Sheffield United did. I don't think he's going to be in their makeup. I think a lot of teams outside the, the elite will go to Kettleworth Road and find it difficult. Um, away from home, I don't know, but maybe... Maybe the leveling off factor is no hour knee at home. I don't know, but I'd be very surprised if Forrest don't don't win that game. If they play anywhere near like they did at Crystal Palace, it will be enough, I think, yeah. against them.
0: Yeah, we should do. I think we're slightly underestimating Burnley and Luton a little bit. I think I'll go down the team in trouble. Do you, not think, fellas, do you trouble. not
1: think, fellas? I'll throw it out there for you. Do you not think now we just need to get away from putting certain fixtures on pedestal? that everybody went into that Burnley match, oh, I've got to win this, got to win this. Well, you haven't, because you're playing 38 games. And there were games last year that we didn't win and games last year that we shouldn't have won that we did. It happens every year. Maybe, maybe we take away this, oh, I've got to win that. Got to win that. That's terrible. The, 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 the disappointment of only getting a point at home to Brentford. I think back to last year. The late point that Ryan Yates got in that match was key to them kicking on. I mean, there are moments in games and I just think we're too worried about, I don't think there's the the need to worry this season as much. I think the bottom three or four are pretty set. I don't think he's going to change a great deal. Forrest is superior to them. Forrest aren't in the relegation conversation this year. So it's kind of, you don't have to panic over certain matches at this stage. They will accumulate more than enough points over the course of 38 matches to stay in the Premier League comfortably. So don't put pressure on certain situations. Just allow the season to develop as it is and realise that this is a brand new team again, being put together by the manager, but with better players, showing signs of improvement already, playing a brand of football where they can keep the ball better than they could last year. But don't, don't necessarily isolate certain fixtures and say, we have to have this, we have to have that. It just generates unnecessary pressure when they're under enough pressure as it is. But... This is not a relegation season for me. I've seen Luton, I've seen Sheffield United, I've seen Burnley, I've seen Bournemouth. The Forest are better than all of these by quite a significant margin. And there are others too. So I just don't think there's that need for panic over certain fixtures this season, if I'm mm. honest.
0: Yeah, Bournemouth are the ones I'd worry about. Like they signed really? Tyler Adams for 20 million quid oh, and right. then yeah. yeah. the whole yeah. time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought you meant being... No, but going down. No, I think that... Yeah. By the way, by the way as well, I mean, if, if you're a Bournemouth fan and you, you've had Gary O'Neill last year and you've done really well and you've kind of punched above your weight and you've had a good January window and then you just get rid of it for, for, for a guy who has no track record in the Premier I mean, it's madness. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes you, when, when you reflect back and ask your intent to come in on this, when you reflect back on that decision by Evangelos Mappenakis not to do that <laughs> with Steve Cooper last year, not to do it, just to go, no, we're going to stick with this guy. It might not be the most fashionable guy in the world. It, people might not be comparing him to Pep, Bar- Pep Guardiola, but he's a damn good manager, perfect for this club. If you sometimes don't do it, it's way better than doing it. I mean, bournemouth are the case in point, Archer, aren't they? I mean, if Forrest would have got... Ariola, by the way, let's not forget, was one of the names being linked with Forrest. In yeah. yeah.
3: There's,
1: the, there's I, the danger.
3: I mean, I just love that quote he came out with after when he was like, we couldn't find anyone better. It was just, <laughs> yeah. it was just so like ah all right you know like the media they they sort of didn't read into it as much as we fans did because we know him we know what he's like we know how explosive his temper is and what you know he he has the propensity to do at Olympiakos. so you know again that's one of those decisions that you just like thank god (laughs) they stuck with him and that you know it just puts that off doesn't it it puts that thing off because you know i don't know if it's just me and you know when you have those fatalist moments but it's like you can't see life after Steve Cooper, Forest. Like I know you're not supposed to say, "Oh, you know, no one's bigger than the club" and all that, but you just don't want to contemplate it. You just, you know what I mean? You just, you're so in, we're, we're all so invested in him that you just don't want to. You don't even want to think about that. Yeah.
0: Temps, any final words on Steve Cooper, life after him, Forest in general?
2: Corporate plug, Trembridge Corporate Beer Festival plug. this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So get your pass stamped, get yourselves down to Trembridge. Got 900 barrels here and they all need drinking. And just to take Fett on a little bit, I'm a forest fan on a forest podcast. So I'm telling you, we're going to steamroll Uton and kick on from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, I think they will. But I just, I just don't... I, you know the other point I'm trying to make, I, there's just... They'll stay up so comfortably and be nicely mid-table with a team that everybody enjoys watching. There is no need anymore to panic. I'm I'm more on the side of the fans who are saying, oh, come on, we've got to be doing... I want, to, I want that romance of, we should be better than this. Not in a negative sense, but I quite like the whole idea of, come on, lads, let's get towards the Europa League. I'm moving towards that a lot more than I was last year, I've got to be honest.
0: Yeah, Greg's scouting stadiums already for that. He, he, course, knows, yeah. he knows the train times to yeah you know, or the plane times. Get to Sevilla, don't worry. If already,
1: he's actually scouting bars more than he's scouting stadiums. If truth be known,
0: <laughs> he was hammered on. Can we say that he was still hammered on Sunday morning, wasn't he? Was he? Oh, what was
1: sorry, that
3: picture, but... picture he sent us of him with a massive stogie just there? Like <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> the so After a nil nil draw, what are do you doing? draw Crystal Palace can do for you? Uh, uh, you used to right. the NBA uh, title before you ended up with the big stogie. Michael Jordan used to do it. Greg will take a nil-nil at Palace. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't want to know what he does if we'd want two
0: nil at Palace. <laughs> right. A uh, quick bit of admin from me. Um, the voting's closed. for football content awards so. Thanks to anyone who uh, did vote for us. Uh, get well soon, friend of the show, Matt Ford. I swear he's got to say he's got to have spinal surgery yeah. um, in the in the weeks to come. So get well soon, Matt. Uh, and Fletch, you can speak to the last one because I don't know uh, too much about boxing. Uh, give us a word on Lee Wood. His win oh. at the weekend,
1: astonishing. I'm a, I'm the patron of a charity in Nottingham called Switch Up, and Lee is a patron as well. So we're we're, we're extremely proud of Lee um, with his boxing career alongside the work that he does with us to help so many people in in Nottingham. And there was a big um, a big Switch Up push at the weekend to get behind him, and, and, and the people from the charity went to watch him, but. What a performance. And I, I mean, I listened to, to one of the boxing podcasts this morning that Steve Bunce did, and he, I think he's quite right. He said he's got to be put now in that pantheon of great British fighters over the last 25 years. When you think about the the career that he's had, and Eddie Hearn told a story, he said he was begging me to put him on fight cards and give him six rounders the night that Carl Frotch fought Lucian Boutet. Froch made Eddie Hearn put Lee Wood on the card to give him a fight, and the fight went fight card went on that long that he never got to fight anyway because he was so inconsequential on the on, on the bill. But the, the players, the the, the, the boxers, he's, he's beaten in world title fights from Can, Lara, Warrington. I mean, these the you can make a really strong case that he's the best featherweight on the planet. And he's got this unshakable belief in fights that he's going to find a way. Michael Conlon flat on his back at the end of the first. And he, he knocks Conlon into his dad's arms out of the ring in the 12th. I mean, he's a he's a modern day marvel. The fact that it's happened so late for him in a sport where it's hard at the lighter weights to be good older past 30. It's difficult. Yet he all of a sudden is, is, is beating father time who by the way is undefeated, but he's managing to, to do that. And surely he's got to get the fight at the city ground now. I don't care who he fights. I'm not interested in who he fights. I'll be there. And so will everybody else because we're so proud of him. And to hear muller tire with him stood on the the top of the runway at the city ground, I want him to feel what that would feel like because he deserves it. And I was so proud of him on Saturday. I get to spend a bit of time with him, as I say, around the work we do for Switch Up. And, And he's the nicest guy, the most humble guy the most unaffected guy that you'll ever meet. Fiercely proud of his football club. Even more fiercely proud of his city. And uh, absolutely fantastic. What what a man, what a career, what a performance. Fair play to Wood and Forrest, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, whoever it is, get the fight on. I don't think we'd all mind chipping in for a new pitch if it gets knackered, but Leewood needs that fight. I'd sooner see Lee Wood at the city ground than take that. So, get Lee Wood on at the city ground at the end of the season and we'll all get down there and enjoy it.
2: Brilliant. I get I get the odd text on Lee telling me he wants to hire Trent Bridge, but you're right. What are the odds now that he slides in on the back of all that infrastructure, the pitch cover for take that, and a week later we see him defend his title at the city ground. I think that would be an incredible it's night. Got yeah. it's, gotta it's, gotta surely,
3: surely. it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Surely, surely. it got to
2: yeah, yeah,
0: I think so. Hopefully, we don't want to see him singing backing vocal calls to Gary Barlow, so he deserves the fight, definitely. Right, uh, we'll leave it there. 600 people, what, well, 550 now, uh, people watching. Talk of take that, and 50 people away. Um, but thanks very so much for everyone who's <laughs> watched on. Do like and subscribe. We've had lots of iTunes reviews, uh, good ones, which I've been reading. So thanks for all of those. They do uh, make me
1: uh, smile. Never read the reviews, never read the reviews, never go on your social media. Don't go into Asha, oh, don't go into
3: you can, I don't know, you, get, you, can, well, you can change it to private, but I didn't know that. That. Didn't they change
1: Temps
0: always tells me to ignore people on twitter don't watch stuff don't hate watch stuff he's a wise man aren't you so yes temp thank you very much you can uh, lead us away thank you wise beyond my years matthew and there are many of them yes true arsha thank you cheers guys fletch good to have you right with us thank you mate
1: nice to be asked
0: well, we'll ask you again very soon. Very soon. Um, did Rio Ferdinand pay his bet? A few people are asking.
1: Yes, he did. He gave me £100 in cold, hard cash at the airport before we flew off to the Champions League final. And he also then said in the summer, I will take the bet again. So what? he's going to have another one at the end of the year. I mean, he may as well pay it by Christmas this year. It's pointless waiting. I may as well spend it on the
2: wife and kids at Christmas. I may as well have it then. Yes, yeah, he, so it... he gave him a new Porsche as well, but you don't mention that.
0: <laughs> More money than cents. More money than sense. Right, we'll leave it there. Thanks that's for that.
1: That's not difficult, Matt, because I have very little sense. So that's, 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 you don't realize how true that is. <laughs> I'm talking about Rio, not you, but yeah. Oh, believe <laughs> you Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe you've got more money than sense. I don't know. No, right. very...
1: Well, I've got little sense. I,
0: I, I... <laughs> we'll leave it there. We'll be back, uh, I don't know, later in the international break. I'll work something out, but we'll put something out for you and then we'll be back with the loot and preview uh, sometime next week. Uh, very much enjoyed that. Have a good few days, everyone, and we shall see you soon.